Hi, friends, and welcome to all of you that are worshiping online at our various sites. And if you're a guest today, we're especially delighted that you're here and that you're compelled to want to be part of the community. If you're in this location or any of our locations, we'd welcome you. This is a fun day. It's kickoff Sunday. It's uh, Green Bay and Minnesota Vikings playing today. Anybody care? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of that. There's just a lot of fun that's happening, the launch of a new ministry season in fall. We're all excited about that, but also we're mindful of the weightier things, too. This is the 21st anniversary of 9-11 today, too. And we just have the perfect psalm to speak to both ends and everything in between of life's journey. We're continuing this series called Up, looking at the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 through 134, and today we're on Psalm 133. In fact, I've given a title to this one called Prioritizing Community, and I wanted to put the title on the screen because I want you to see the unity is elevated in the community because that's what the psalm speaks to. It speaks about the unity that God intends to be part of community. And Psalm 133 really gives to us one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful descriptions of God's people living in community. So I'm going to invite you, as we have done all summer long, wrapping up next week with this uh, beautiful series on the Psalms of Ascent by reading together Psalm 133. I invite you to stand wherever you are at all of our locations and join me in unison as we read Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You may be seated. Over the course of the series, we've used the analogy of road trips a number of times, and you know road trips can be really, really good, and they can be really, really bad. So would you say yes to the, this invitation? It's one thing to invite your nuclear family to go on a road trip across the country or whatever the case might be, but would you consider joining in a road trip that would include friends, neighbors, relatives, in-laws, dogs, and baby? Would you do that road trip? Yeah, yeah, oh, you, some people, I'm just desperate to get away. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll jump into that deal. Well, this is the summer, I, you know, I had a great conversation with a good friend of mine about them doing just that. They, they decided to do a road trip during the pandemic. He was describing it to me. They decided to go all out. So they invited, yes, their nuclear family and relatives, in-laws, two dogs, a cat, and a, a baby, no cat, just a baby. Um, but man, how do you do that with all those people? Well, they did it by renting one of the nicest finest, largest RVs that you can get, massive RV to go through three states, which they secured um, the, the RV, beautiful, brand new RV to make this trip. And so they picked it up, they packed it up with all of their goods. In the morning, they loaded up and they made their way out of the driveway and it was raining and the windshield wipers weren't working. So they spent some time trying to get them to work, couldn't get them to work. So they drove a mile down the road to a service facility. They spent hours trying to get it to work. Now they're all loaded up, people, dogs, baby, everybody, and they can't get it to work. So they have to bring this beautiful 
large RV back to its home base for them to be able to figure out why they aren't working. But they are going to do their road trip anyway, but there was no RV for them except for one that was 15 years older and half the size. Sounds like a fun road trip. <laughs> they still did the road trip and said it was really hard. But they forged great memories. And I go, that's a little bit of the picture that we have with the people of God in the Psalms of Ascent that we've been going through is the people of God from different regions, not just nuclear family, but neighbor and friends and in-laws and relatives would all join together, make their way to the festivals in Jerusalem three times a year. And as they approached Jerusalem, they would make their ascent. That's why it's called Up, the series. And they would join more people and these were people from other nations and tribes and languages. And they united together as they came to Jerusalem with one common purpose, and that was to worship the living God. And as they did, that unity was just exponentially beautiful. And that's what we've been stepping into, the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 133, which is a, a picture for us of unity within community. In fact, I wanna cover three things that this psalm speaks to today. It speaks about the goodness um, of unity within community. It speaks about the source of unity in community, and it speaks about God and how he blesses unity in community. So let's jump into the first expression of Psalm 133. It tells us the goodness of unity in community. And I love this word goodness because I like goodness. Do you like goodness? Where do you look for goodness? That what gets elevated here is look for goodness. That God is working good around us all the time and he's, you're gonna find it in community is the picture that you find. Take a look at verse one. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So I've entitled it Prioritizing Community because it's appropriate and right for us to be in community. We're created by God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who live in community, to the end that we would do the very same. It's not only appropriate and right, but we find it is good and pleasant. In fact, if you have other translations, this is the NIV, but there are some translations that include the Hebrew word at the beginning of this given psalm, to be behold, behold how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in humanity. Behold, look, marvel at the unity that God flows from heaven to earth upon his people with a call for us to be in community, to prioritize community. Let me, let me break it out a little bit. The word good means agreeable, beneficial, excellent. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree, but we can agree to disagree with the spirit of unity because of who God is and what he provides for us. It's telling us that um, it is good in the sight of God. It's received the stamp of approval that God intends for us to be aware of this gift called community and unity within community. And we also know that it is pleasant. And that word pleasant simply means sweet or beautiful or lovely. It's not just good in God's sight, it's good for you. That is, it receives God's stamp of approval, but affirmation for us as well. So whether you're living in community, in school, you know, now school is getting launched, or whether it's in your businesses, uh, where, where it's your marketplace environments perhaps, definitely in the community of faith, that it is always good and pleasant and much more enjoyable when we get along. Do you agree? But we don't always get along. 
So we have to step into that reality as well. It's a reality we don't want to step into as much, but we need to step into it. But first, let's focus on the next phrase here because it's not only good and pleasant, but it says when God's people, and you could circle that little phrase because that's referring to what we see in the New Testament as calling us brothers and sisters in Christ. We're God's people through faith in Christ that makes us brothers and sisters. You take that at a personal level. I didn't get to choose the family I was born into, and neither did you. I hope you were born into a great family. Um, I, I was born into a family um, with five sisters and one brother, Jay, Joel, Jaws, and Jordy, Jill, JC, and Josh. My mom had seven children in nine years. I don't understand that. <laughs> my grandfather told my father at one point to leave her alone, would you please? <laughs> And we didn't always get along. You know, we kind of hit a number of us, like four of us, our hormonal window at the same time. That does make a difference. And yet we got through it. We only had one bathroom in our home, so I took swimming as the first class at school because I, I would never be able to, to use the bathroom with five sisters. They, they used it all the time. We didn't always get along. But when my mom died last November, and after our visitation, everybody left, Serendipitously, one sibling and then another began to gather around my mom's casket. It is seared in my mind as one of the most beautiful gifts that God has ever given me. When we just naturally, it wasn't scripted, we just put our arms around each other and we cried and we blessed my mom for the goodness that she gave to us in her love. We blessed each other and the gift to be family. We found a way through our disagreements to still be family. This is the picture. We didn't get to choose whether or not we're going to be part of the family of God, but when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are adopted into the family of God, that we now together call God our Father. What an incredible gift this is to us, to God call, call God our Father. And yet the big question that remains for us as we enter into the family is, are we going to choose to live in division? Are we going to choose to live in unity? because we don't always get along, but we can still be together in unity even when we don't always agree with each other. We find that the disciples didn't always agree with each other. Um, they had to work at getting along with each other because they didn't always understand what Jesus was doing, calling us to be. They had unmet expectations, and unmet expectations is one of the main fuel lines for disagreement, for disunity in life. I, I found this poem that I think speaks to the reality of this tension. To live above with saints we love, oh, that will be such glo glory. To live below with the saints we know, well, that's a different story. <laughs> it's just a picture we don't always get along. But God's intention, God's expectation, God's resource is to fuel us with a unity coming from Father, Son, Holy Spirit that allows us to figure it out even in a broken world. In fact, Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, I like how it starts, if it is possible, it's not always possible. If it is possible, it's not always easy. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with each other. And boy, the onus of that lands right here with me. We default, we blame, we put it on the other, but this is calling us to say, as much as it depends on me. So I guess it begs the question for you personally, right now, do you need some unity with someone in your spheres of influence? Do you find yourself in a place of disagreement, division? You're not sure what to do with it? Well, 
If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, don't wait for the other person to come your way. Approach them. You may need to say, I'm sorry. You, you may need to say, I forgive you. You may simply need to say, could we get together, please? There's some things we need to talk about. I just did this a couple of weeks ago with a dear friend where we had division. and We had breakfast together. And as much as possible, both of us stepped in and found some beautiful resolve. Um, not agreement, but resolve. This is what God intends for us. This beautiful unity that comes from above. It's possible because we have the God advantage. It's not possible because of what we do in our own strength. It's possible because of the GA, the God advantage that he gives to us. So the psalm gives this clarity for us that there is a goodness when we come together in community and when it's marked by unity. The second thing that the psalm tells us is that it tells us the source of unity in community. I mean, what is the source of this beautiful, pleasant, good, brotherly, sisterly community that God intended for us to, to live in and to be in? Well, the psalm goes on to explain that it comes from God above to us using two images that aren't exactly the images that resonate with our modern day culture, but I'm gonna break them out in a way that you'll see the value and significance of them. But when I'm working on the source, I'm also mindful before I get to the text here. Um, well, let me read the text and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking. It is like, this is the first image, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's not an image that we first brush, resonate with, but I'm gonna explain it. But between understanding the source and the image that supports it, I'm in this place here when I'm preparing for today and going, well, if this is true, why do we have so much disunity? Why is there so much division in the world, in our nation, in our families, and in our churches? If this is the promise of God, why are we so broken? Well, we know the answer to that, and we all contribute to it in our own given way, but we know that the primary source behind blessing is God, and we know the primary source behind the brokenness, the division, is the evil one, sometimes called Satan, sometimes called the devil in Scripture. The Greek word is diabolos, and diabolos means to separate, to divide, to throw against. It is the purpose of the evil one to disrupt us, to divide us, and in fact, the devil loves chaos. He creates confusion that stirs up chaos. Or could I put it this way? That division is the playground to the devil. Oh, he loves to play with our heads and our hearts. He loves to divide us. He loves to create division, separate us, to even create enmity between people who love God and we're unified in our love for God, but he loves it when we just start doing this because it does two things. It hinders our dynamic flow of relationship with the living God and it disrupts our witness to the world that looks at us and go, I want nothing to do with them. My life's hard enough. Why do I need to join in with them? No, but when we come together in unity, oh, there's an aroma and people are compelled, but he doesn't want that for us. So then the question, the personal question is, what playground are you playing in? Are we, are we choosing to be divisive? Are we choosing to bring a spirit of unity knowing it's flowing from heaven um, above into our hearts with the goal that it would be used by God to be a testimony of God's goodness? I would choose the other on that. So now let me come to the image that's a little bit of contrarian, a little different kind of image for us to take in. Um, I wanna break it out a little bit. It is like precious oil. Let me start with the word oil and you can circle it. Oil is a commodity in ancient 
um, he, the Hebrew cultures. And not the oil that gets refined as gasoline and fuel that we buy, but the kind of oil that is used for cooking, for refreshment, for moisturizing. And so we find that the oil is an image that they would have understand. To compare unity with oil was a compelling image, but it doesn't stop there. It's a precious oil. This unity is a precious. That adjective, the word precious, is a reminder to us that um, it's the same word, the exact word that was used good in verse one, that it is agreeable, beneficial, excellent. It's good in God's sight and it's good for you is the picture that you have in that given adjective, and I, and I love that given adjective because we want that kind of good. And then we keep going into it and we find that it's like a precious oil poured on the head. And you have to step into the first hearing of this psalm to the people of the time to understand that head is an image, it represents, it symbolizes hospitality. So if you invite somebody to your home, you will offer them refreshment, you will offer them a drink. They did the same thing, but they also offered oil, which you probably don't do in your homes because it was dry, it was arid. It's a little like we are in January and February in Minnesota and you need moisturizer or oil and it brings welcome relief. And that's what you find here. There's a Psalm, very famous, you know it, Psalm 23, five. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. It's a corollary to this Psalm. From above, he anoints my head with oil and my cup the welcome relief. Thank you, God, for what you're pouring into my life. It's welcome relief, but it's not for me alone. It's overflowing. There's a spread of unity. Do you think this unity spreads like wildfire? Isn't that what we're in the midst of? That was an interactive question. Do you think that this unity spreads like wildfire? It does, doesn't it? Unity should spread faster. So why is there such a greater spread of disunity? Maybe because of the playground we're in. Let's switch playgrounds. Because the world needs us. This nation longs for it. Our churches are called to be it. So you have this picture of, of unity that is a contagion. And then it runs down the beard. It's precious. It's like an oil poured over the head running down on the beard. And I, I don't have the time. I did way too much research on beards because there's this emergence now of beards, young people. Today. Do you meet young people without facial hair today? I mean, it's the cool thing. So I take notice of it. So I did both biblical and secular research on, on um, beards. I need to put it in an article or something because I, I don't know where to go. I don't have the time to unpack it. But I left my study saying, I feel after studying the scripture and its understanding of the role of beards that I need to grow a beard. <laughs> and some of you other men should consider such. But I can't unpack it any further than that. It's just the outcome of the study. But... I, I want you to understand that the beard here, because men of that day had beards, it's speaking to something that's so beautiful and so powerful that there is oil, a lot of oil, not a little bit of oil, pouring down from the head. You can just visualize the imagery in the psalm coming into the beard. These are long beards, saturating. It's a picture of the host who is gracious and generous and not stingy. It is a picture of God who holds nothing back concerning the unity that he wants, the stamp of approval upon the communities who gather in his name um, as we come and we worship him. This is his intent for us. And we find in James 1.17 these words, 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father above. So we find that God, it's a reaffirmation here, it's flowing from above to us that we be, community really matters. If you're living your faith individually, you're missing what God intends. He wants us to be together to prioritize community and life and journey. And it's such a reminder, if every good gift comes from above, from our Father, then everything that I have, everything that I am is his. If you have any good in your life, it's not because of you. It's because of him. And he's provided. Give, give gratitude for the generosity of God, for the goodness that you have in plenty and in times of want. Either way, the goodness of God shows up. If, if you're new to Westwood, we have three values at Westwood. Jesus, people, and rhythm. So we say there is a rhythm to life. God gives, we receive, we give, God receives glory, honor, and praise. It's a very biblical rhythm. It's our call to live in the rhythm. So God gives, fill in the blank. You choose the word. I'm gonna take from the text, unity. God gives unity. We make a choice with open hands to receive from him all the unity he wants to give to us. And once experiencing it, it will overflow so that we can open our hands and give it to others. And God will receive glory, honor, and praise. He'll pour out what? More precious oil, more unity. So we will be the light to the world that he wants us to be. Isn't that a beautiful picture when you step into this? And I'm not quite done yet. You might be thinking, Joel, you're really killing this psalm right now. There's a lot of words, but did you just see the, the unity expands with every word and phrase here. It's not just a beard, it's Aaron's head and it's Aaron's beard. It's huge, it's significant because he was the high priest and it was a special oil that was used for the anointing of the high priest. So what you find here is a hyperlink to the psalm that we looked at last week, Psalm 132, where God promises a Messiah to come. Messiah means the anointed one and it's a hyperlink to the future fulfillment of Jesus coming as the Messiah, as the anointed one, going then into Ephesians 5 where we find that Jesus is the one who gives birth to the church, the community of God that he ordained to be his purposes, to, ful to fulfill the purposes that he has in life. And in that picture in Ephesians 5, we are called the body of Christ, and we have one head. It is Jesus Christ, and each of us are members, and our body parts, our membership is lubricated by the oil of Jesus. It's already in us. Isn't that magnificent? That's what you find in this psalm. And, and I'm not done yet. There's one more. Did you notice this? It's not just Aaron's head and Aaron's beard it's down the collar of his robe. And I'm going, what's that all about? I had no idea. So I got to step in and study the collar of his robe and learn from Exodus that the collar of the robe of the high priest included the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the covenant promise that we are blessed to be a blessing here, near, and far. I, mean, I get goosebumps thinking of this. This is God's intention that the unity that he intends for us, yes, it's for our benefit, but it's for the world here, near, and far. And it's even sewn into the fabric of the cloak. So, I mean, this little piece of the psalm, one, I need to grow a beard, and second, I have to buy a cloak with a collar. Those are my two <laughs> takeaways. You should consider them as well. So here's the picture you have. The second image, I just have enough time to touch on briefly because it reinforces. I love it. There's two images because there's a reinforcement. He doesn't want us to miss that unity comes from heaven above 
through the community that he intended for us to be in, to prioritize in our life, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling down on Mount Zion. Just a quick look at a map that I brought here, and you can see the Mount Hermon is in the north of Israel. It's the tallest mountain, over 9,000 feet sea foot, um, above sea foot level there, and it's filled with moisture, dew. So throughout the summer, vegetation around Mount Hermon is just lush and green and wonderful. And it's contrasted with the Mount Zion to the south of Israel. And it's where Zion, the people of God, meet God. And it's a smaller mountain, only 2,400 feet above sea level. It is dry and arid. There is no dew, very little rain in Jerusalem at all. So you get the picture where it's going from high above Mount Hermon will flow down below to the people of God who meet together in community, God's precious oil and his blessing and his goodness that's in the middle of it. It's just a good reminder for us that when we come together and meet in worship, there's a unity that God has in mind for us that is extraordinary. It's a powerful, compelling unity that we share together. So when we worship and you leave worship today and you get into your cars and you talk about your experience at Westwood, you, you ought, if we've entered in with a spirit of unity, go like, wow, I'm refreshed. I'm renewed. I'm revved up. I'm charged up. Let's go. Not let's go Vikings. Let's go church. We're the church. We get to be the church. Yeah, let's celebrate the beauty of God's poured out blessing on us. And that's what you have here. So we've talked about the goodness that comes with unity and community. We've talked about the source. And then just briefly, we talk about it telling us about God's blessing us in our unity of community. And this, I mean, let me just ask. How many of you want God to bless you in your life? Raise your hand. You are such wise people. It's kind of a rhetorical question. But man, do you really want, I want God's blessing in my life. I've done a lot of study on that word blessed through the years and it means, has a lot of connotations, but the undergirding current of it is the presence of God, the provision for your every need. He will be with you, he'll provide for you. In the high times, the low times, that's what it means to be blessed. And the verse says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. For there, Mount Hermon, high above, it's the blessing of God promised to us I want his blessing. I want to open my hands, my life to receive it, invite you to do it together with me. Even life forevermore, it's for the now. But as dew dissipates with the rising sun, so we're told that his blessings will be forevermore. It doesn't dissipate, it keeps on giving. That's the blessing. Isn't it a great psalm? Great way to start the year. Spirit of unity in the midst of so much disunity. It flows from God to us over our heads, through our beards, metaphorically, through the cloaks, the clothing that we wear, to our very toes, the blessing of God is there. It's pleasant, it's good. From top to bottom, it comes to us. That's the psalm. Quickly, just three invitations for you. One, the first invitation is to come back next week. We wrap up this series, it's a short psalm, and it's about blessing. So we decided, let's make it a blessing service. It's going to be personal, moving, powerful. Invite, invite your friends, your, your neighbors, your relatives in that road trip to come back next week. Uh, your dogs, maybe not, but the rest of them, invite them. So next week's a very special Sunday. Come back for that. Secondly, I want to invite you into Let's Grow. Let's Grow will be taking place in September. Make note of it. Let's Grow is the invitation for you to take a next step to grow your faith. Wherever you are right now, take a next step and grow that faith. Watch how God will work in that. 
and know that he is with you in it. And then also it includes, let's grow, an opportunity to look at membership. And membership is an opportunity for us just to pay attention to the reality of who God is. And when you say yes to become a member of a church, and I know membership's not on your radar, I don't say a lot about it, so I'm taking this moment. Become a member. Because when you say yes, you solidify the unity that's flowing from heaven to earth in a collective way to say, Lord, we want you to mark this church with unity. Third, we have our annual meeting. You saw the video. In that video, you saw Scott Swain, who is our leadership board chair. Um, I can't think of a person in my life over the disruption of the last two years who has touched me, stood with me, advocated for unity within the church and in my own life more than Scott Swain. But I want to invite you to pray for him. He usually leads our annual meeting. He will not be joining us this year. He'll be, he's, he's in Columbus, Ohio. I brought a picture of him. He's not in, he's in a bed. And it's because he, uh, he works with HR with Potbelly Sandwiches, great sandwiches, so I advocate for them too because of Scott, and uh, the reality is uh, he was making presentations at their executive headquarters a couple weeks ago and had some issues that caused him to go to ER. They learned that he had a floating cyst in his brain. So he's undergone brain surgery, and he's in a recovery place right now. But you can see he keeps his smile radiant. Would you pray? Because one of the glues that pulls us together in unity is prayer. And some of you are in that place of brokenness. In a moment, I want to introduce you and have a conversation with the newest member of our community on our pastoral staff. But before I do that, I'd love to pray and invite you to join me. Father, thank you for the gift of life, um, of journey, of unity in community. It was your idea from the beginning. So we tend to break away from it and make it more of an individual pursuit of faith. But you're always bringing us back to the call to prioritize community. So may we do that. May we each take a step forward. Say, how can we engage in what you want to do so we can be that sweet aroma that you love and delight in and others are compelled to say, I want what they have. We ask that healing for Scott and his family, for those that are in broken places now, that you'd bring that precious oil that anoints us and heals us. That brings help and encouragement, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Friends, I want you to meet one of the, we're gonna have a community moment. One of the newest members of our community is Clint Reddy. Come on up here, Clint. Clint's only been with us for just about a month now, not very long. He serves as our executive pastor. And we had the opportunity to meet online. Not eHarmony, but (laughs) online it would have been, yes. You're quite compelling, but it's online through Zoom that we got to meet, and I want you to meet him as part of our, many of you are new, so he's in a very similar place of acclimating to a whole new place, so let's do that together. Have a seat with me, and let's just jump into this conversation a little. I want you to hear his story, such an extraordinary story, and I'm grateful for your personal story, Mm -hmm. so share a little bit about your family, first of all. Let's start there. Let's just begin. Yeah, no, we can for sure do that. I think they're going to throw a picture up on the screen here so that you can visualize with me this very busy family that uh, the Lord has blessed us with. Uh, So we have four kids, and Annie is the anchor of it all. So we've been married 10 years, and we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary this June. And then uh, it goes boy, boy, girl, boy. So the first boy is right in the middle there. His name's Laker. And, you know, obviously when I say his name, people perk up and they're like, oh, wow, that's a unique name. And most people think we're super big basketball fans, which, you know, I I love basketball. But we wanted to give uh, our firstborn a Minnesota-themed name. So 
here we are, the land of 10,000 lakes. And so there's Laker. Uh, then Tate is number two. He's sitting on my lap, arguably also a Minnesota-themed name. Uh, since, you know, our state dish is the tater tot hot dish. I, <laughs> and, but uh, and we called him tater tot uh, early on. But I, and I wanted to keep this theme going, right? Even though we kind of backed into the Minnesota theme with Tate. And so I was our baby girl. I was throwing out, like, Guthrie. And Annie, Annie was like, no, we are not doing that. So She is so wise. Baby Ivy is who we have as our baby girl. And then Crew is our youngest. He's on Annie's lap there. He just turned a year this past June. And then uh, actually probably the most obedient member of our household <laughs> is the puppy. Uh, so that's Rosie. She's 10 months old. She's a yellow lab. She's lovely. I mean, I think your children are lovely, but I'll, I'll take your dog. <laughs> Keep all four of your children right now. Been there, done that, keep going. Uh, and then our, uh, our family, just my mom, dad, sister, and I, our immediate family, we actually are immigrants to the United States. So we came to Minneapolis, Minnesota on June 10th, 1996, from Durban, South Africa. And we got here in June, and it was a beautiful summer's day. And we had no idea October was coming. <laughs> Let alone February, you know, and, you know, I asked my mom and dad later on, like, why'd you pick Minnesota? We could have gone so many other places. There's 50 states. But uh, they, they said, well, you know, this is South Africa in the 90s. And so there's no Internet for the most part. So they were in libraries trying to figure out where, where we could go. And they read that Minnesota valued family and education. Hmm. And they looked at us and said, we value those same things. So I was like, there was no page about the weather? Like, at least you could have <laughs> went further in the book to see some stuff. But that's why we came here yeah. June 10th, 1996. Yeah, it's a good journey. The personal journey I find fascinating and compelling, and God's guiding your steps. But he guides all of our steps, by the way, and he's guided Clint's steps to be part of this journey here. And I'm just going to tell you it's a God story. That's about the simplest way I could say it's been a God story. It's been such a privilege, a short time, but I feel like it's... God's provision for us. We actually met two years ago, as I said, online, because we were in the context of disruption and division in our Twin City area. And a group of pastors, predominantly black and white pastors, had joined together to say, what can we do? We are the church. What does it mean to be the church in this? We began meeting Monday afternoons on Zoom, and Clint would be there. And he said nothing for a long time. He was hardly noticed at all. But after a period of time, a few months actually, we had reached um, a point of conflict and we were in a place of disagreement and having a hard time to agree together between the black pastors and the white pastors around an event we were trying to pull together and its content. And then this humble servant begins to speak up and make himself available. And God would use Clint to be a bridge in that time of conflict. And it so impressed me that, one, we came together, we did have that event, and it was a beautiful thing. I wish I could unpack more of that story with you with what God is doing in the Twin Cities, but we're part of something very, I think, historic and supernatural. And God has used Clint to be a key part of that, but I thought, who is this guy? So I called him after um, this event and, and said, who are you and why do you exist? These are questions I often ask people. <laughs> I want clarity. I didn't have an agenda. I didn't have a job for him or anything like that. I just wanted to affirm him in his leadership and how God used him. And that brought us together for a dinner and eventually a lunch, and we became friends in the ministry in the Twin Cities. Then an opportunity did open up for him to become executive pastor here. 
And from your side of the story, I mean, pick it up from Yeah, there. well, it's honestly, it's so humbling to be able to hear how God can use people. You know, if we just have this posture of availability, uh, that's all God looks for sometimes. And so uh, j- just as you reflect on that and for me to hear that on, because uh, I wasn't intending to be anything, just yeah. to be a servant. And so it's very humbling. It's very encouraging to hear your encouragement to me that God can use us in those ways. But the, the reason that we were a part of these conversations, one, we were ministry leaders in the Twin Cities as well. And so a lot of ministry leaders were gathering together thinking about how do we respond and bring some level of hope or healing to a city and to a country, to a world. Yeah. And we had family members in South Africa that were saying, what is happening? And and here's the proximity for Annie and I. You know, when we were getting married, we, we always, you know, where are we going to do our first first home. And we rented for a long time uh, when we started out, but then we finally figured out, okay, we want to we own our first home. It was the age of, you know, we were watching HGTV and all these fixer-uppers were on TV. <laughs> and we said, you know, we should do that. And so we did. And so we bought this little South Minneapolis home just north of Lake Hiawatha. And we moved in in February of 2019 after a lot of renovations most of which I couldn't do, and I had to pay someone else to do. But anyway, we, <laughs> we did the fixer-upper. And uh, Memorial Day 2020 rolls around. Yeah. And probably less than a mile away from us was the epicenter of our city, hurt and turmoil and trauma. And, and we were thrown into the mix of it in ways that we just weren't expecting. We weren't anticipating. We didn't sign up for that. Yeah. And I remember getting an email from the Minneapolis Police Department the weekend after the riots had started to really kind of escalate. And there was concern about that continuing to spike and spill over into the surrounding neighborhoods, the neighborhoods that we were living in. And there was this laundry list of things that they asked us to do. Uh, If you have any propane tanks, make sure to hide them away. If you have brushes or any vegetation outside, make sure it's all watered down. If your garbage cans, put them in your garage. And and we couldn't ignore it anymore. Yeah. And it, it reminded me that as just a person who follows Jesus, we have an invitation to bring hope and healing and love and peace to our communities. And so I brought that proximity, I think, to our conversations in ways that I think really helped many pastors that were coming from all different walks of life, all different parts of the city. For us, it was real. For us, it was here. We couldn't ignore it. And I think God used that, just that level of of personalness to help all of us rally together and say, but we can pray. We can pray. We can do something. And we can come together, which, by the way, for those who may be newer, we use that word here that we're called to proximate. We are the light of Christ, proximating in the darkness of the world, Mm -hmm. knowing that God will bring healing, help, and wholeness because of our presence and the ministry that he wants to work in and through us. I just got to see you do that beautifully. And then to see the steps that he would bring us together. I marvel it was the most unconventional hiring process that I've had in 42 years of ministry, but I believe God's hand is on it. And you came to serve as our executive pastor. Interestingly enough, out of a church of 10,000 people where he served before in that capacity with nine multi-sites. And God is uniquely gifted, Clint, to be with us. But many people don't even know, what is an executive pastor? And I have my own questions about whether we should use that title, but it's the sure. common title across the country. What do you do, by the way? <laughs> well, I, I think when churches, you know, there was a step of faith that you took to say, we're going to come to this community because there's no, the, the, there aren't as many churches as there needs to be for the number of people that call this community home. Yeah. And when the Lord puts his hand of blessing on it, 
and it grows to ways where you have staff and you have this beautiful facility that we get to steward and oversee and there's grounds that are all over the place and there's new locations that are popping up. Uh, at, at some point, that, that level of organizational complexity requires some leadership just to help steward and hold it together. So that, that's my primary invitation. God's blessed what's happening here yeah. through the faithfulness of the congregation, through the generosity of people, through the compellingness of the vision. And how can I, from a leadership seat, be in sync with you, in step with you, and help our staff and, and the broader network of relationships that it takes for us to be able to do what we do. Partnerships, community relationships, municipality leadership. How can I be a, a kind of grease between the wheels and help all that vision move forward? Yeah, you're already well on your way. We just have enough for one more question briefly, but it's an important question. We've been talking about the goodness of unity and community, and I thought, what invitation would you give, especially to those who may be newer or just stepping in, to the opportunity to be part of community. Yeah, well, maybe I'll just share a quick story for that. You know, I said our family came to the United States from South Africa, so we were immigrants. We packed up our whole lives into 11 suitcases. Wow. And we came here because some of you, when I heard, said the country, South Africa, you, you probably registered in your mind that it, it has a sad story. Uh, things like race and prejudice were very much a part of our experience. And my parents were just looking for a fresh start, a new place to call home. And I remember going to the grocery store for the first time here. And, you know, first we were amazed by how many different choices we had. We're like, wow, look at all the different cheeses. We didn't know that there were that many <laughs> kinds of cheese. And, uh, and then we get to the checkout line and the person on the other side of the register asks a question and my dad freezes. And the question was, paper or plastic? And he was like, uh, well, we just got here, so we, we don't have any credit cards, but uh, you know, we'll, we have cash. And, and she's like, no, 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 we will bag your groceries for you, and would you like it in a paper bag or in a plastic bag? And it's just, you know, we, we were taking the bus at that time, and I remember taking the bus home, and you know, it kind of dawns on you, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And boy, if we're going to make it, in a new place. And we spoke English, so thankfully we didn't have to jump that barrier, but it was just this stark but funny reality that we need some help. Like, we need some guides to help us along the way. So I, I, we looked in the white pages or the yellow pages. I don't remember which was which back then. Um, but we found a church. Yeah. And it was a small little church in Bloomington, Minnesota, and we walked through those doors, and they embraced us. Mm -hmm. And it, it rem as I even think about my own call into ministry, you know, many, many years later, uh, I don't think I can, I, I can untether it from the beautiful experience we had from a small congregation of people. I mean, when we walked through those doors, we stuck, we stuck out like sore thumbs, you know, but, but this church loved on us. I remember the first Thanksgiving we ever had was because someone in the church thought they probably don't celebrate that holiday because they're not from here. And the first time we had turkey and stuffing and all this amazing food was because someone in the church was hospitable to us. And so but my invitation to us is sometimes we never know what's on the other side of our yes. When we say yes to the promises and the invitations of God, yeah. to even as something as simple as being a smiling face when someone's walking through the doors of Westwood, we never know what's on the other side of that. Just being obedient to, to creating a community yeah. that's welcoming, that's inviting, and that sees people for who they are. We felt belonging. We felt a sense of, we felt a sense of home yeah. because of the local church. And I think that's the beauty of what we get to do as his people, as we get to be the church. Yeah. My story is so connected to that. And so that's my invitation to us. However God invites you to be the church, whatever you say yes to, 
I maybe only maybe you kind of talk this image. Maybe when we send under the palm trees in heaven, oh, do we yeah. finally get a view of what that's yeah, like? Yeah, very true. Well, I hope and pray that you experience the community that's unified in a way that blesses you and Annie and your beautiful family as you've made the transition. And for all of you, many of you are new, and we invite you to prioritize community and we welcome you into this community that you would sense that belonging in the goodness of God. Would you join me in thanking God for the newest edition of our pastoral team? Thank you so much. Appreciate invite you to stand at all of our sites join us and just stand and receive this father god thank you for being who you are in community father son holy spirit creating us in your image to the end that we would find your goodness flowing in and through the unity of community mark this church with your stamp of approval with unity that's compelling beneficial personally to us yes but compelling to the world around us, and we want to avail ourselves to that given and to your honor and glory, amen and amen.